Welcome to episode four of True to the Cougs, brought to you by Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick of CougFan.com. With me as always, Seahawk and Coug legend Marcus Trufant. Marcus, how's it going? What's going on, my man? I'm doing all right, doing good. Man, feeling good, as a matter of fact. We both should be feeling good. All the Coug nations should be feeling good. So I'm good, my man. 3-0. Got to be feeling good when you're 3-0. Uh, this past weekend, a 38-7 win over Colorado State, and we'll get to that a little bit more here in a minute, but where'd you enjoy the game this weekend, Marks? Man, I am a man uh, that is a dad first, a husband. I got five children, so weekends can be tough, right? Weekends can be tough. So what I usually have to do in between soccer and cheer and dance and all that kind of stuff, I record the games, I turn off all my social media, then I come home and rewatch the game, so I get my... I guess you can call it my man cave. I sneak in my man cave. I lock the door and I watch the cool game. So I um, watch the games in secrecy. <laughs> I'm hiding <laughs> from the wife and the kids, but I get it in though, man. I enjoy my coups on Saturdays. So five, five kids and all of them athletes, I would presume. All of them athletes. So this weekend we had flag football. We had a uh, cheerleading. Of course I had to watch my daughter uh, cheer. And then one of my daughters um, does dance as well. She does ballet tap and, uh, jazz and all that kind of stuff. So, so she walks around the house doing jazz hands, right? Ta-ta. Now, did your wife, did your wife play any sports, dance, anything like that, or is it? My is wife all the was athletic a come from you? It absolutely does not. My <laughs> wife was a cheerleader and um, cut, like um, artsy. She, she did plays. She's a beautiful singer. She's uh, sang in her church choir for a long time, and so we we get a little bit of talent from both sides. Um, I come with a little bit of the skill and the athleticism, but the wife comes with the acting. My wife is very active, though. She, she likes to hike and do all this crazy stuff that I really can't do. So it comes from both sides. We're working in this true fine household. We're trying to make stars over here, man. That's awesome. Um, and as I'm sure for those who follow my work on Kook Fan, I was at the game in the press box and got to enjoy the vibes uh, of the stadium. And uh Pretty good crowd. I mean, I'm, I'm one to jump all over the crowd usually. I, I like to complain about the crowd because it's never good enough for me. But I, it actually wasn't bad. It was mostly filled in. And I understand this was probably a tough game to sell. Colorado State, it's like, ah, oh, who cares? Um, but the crowd wasn't bad. It's still too many people leave at halftime, and I'm still annoyed by that. But I get it. It was 28 nothing at halftime. You know, mm. it, it's more important they're there fully for the Ducks game this week, which, again, we'll get into. Um, but overall, it wasn't bad, and it's always a great vibe in that stadium. You know, it's not very big, but you, you, it gets loud. And, you know, uh, Jake Dickert has talked about a few different times about how much, uh, you know, the crowd was able to kind of make a difference and, you know, force a false start in the red zone and, and force a fumble on a bad snap. So it, it was good vibes. And I'm hoping that we get back to what it was, you know, before COVID hit. I think a lot mm. of fans trickled out in that 2019 season where they weren't very good, and then you couldn't get a lot of – there was so much controversy and everything last year. So – Hoping we're getting back to where things were in the Gardner Minshew year, where there was a lot of fans in the in the stadium. I like it, man. I know with Gardner Minshew, man, you have people rocking the mustaches. People were really invested in the team. And it was more uh, quality over quantity, right? I know back then, of course, there was a lot of people there. But I'm saying now, if we can get that crowd to be hype and be nasty and make that environment hostile, that definitely helps the squad. So I feel you. And see, the thing I always tell people is I didn't need the Gardner Minshew mustache that year. I had my own mustache, and it was real, okay. and it was good. I mean, I like it. It, it was quality. Uh, moving nice. into our, to our second segment, talking about Colorado State. And this was, I think, fair to say, the most resounding win for the Cougars this season. 
uh, 38-7. They jump out to a 28-0 lead. Uh, Colorado State does get a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And Wazoo maybe takes the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. Wasn't as crisp, but when you're up 28-0, it's easy to get a little bit you know, more complacent. Um, just initial reactions on the game from your standpoint, Marcus. I thought it was an all-around brilliant performance, man. And I know that we can say it was just Colorado State. But anytime that you can come out and you can put up those numbers in the uh, first half and you can jump out early like that, man. And, and uh, of course, the offense is throwing a touchdown after touchdown and it's just smooth. You got all these big-time plays, these big-time gash plays. That helps going into Oregon week. All that is building momentum. And you're, of course, you're showing your maturity as a team coming off the big win from last week and be able to come in and be focused and make it happen. I thought it was a really good look. And of course, the defense was off the chain, man. It was all over. Um, it was all over Mr. Millen. Um, I know his dad from out here, of course, in Seattle, his dad does a lot of radio. And of course, he played in the league. So to see him out there kind of getting beat up, I kind of felt for the kid, but that's how it is when you're part of the bad guys, when you're the opponent. So that's how it works, man. But overall, it's just like I said, I thought it was a beautiful win for the Cougs. Yeah, I, I, I probably really felt for the kid. I mean, he was taking stick. And these mm. weren't like, oh, you get knocked down. You kind of, He was getting hammered. And, and the yeah. one thing that stood out to me, and, and, you know, Coach Dickert had talked about this heading into the week, is the kid, I mean, he has taken a ton of hits and just keeps getting back up and keeps getting back up. And he made some impressive throws, you know, and I was – I think that team's going to be good. You know, they they were a running attack team until this year when Jay Norvell took over. I think they've got a way – they've got to rebuild that in a very different way, but they have talent. I mean, I think Millen's a good quarterback. It, you know, you'll see a team sometimes it's like, man, these guys are just lost. They've got nothing. Um, you know, you've seen that in past Mountain West teams. You've seen it sometimes when you play a big Sky right. team. But I didn't get that feeling at all. I got the feeling of this team has some talent. They had some good edge rushers, but – you know, they're, they're obviously are, are in a rebuild and, you know, this wasn't a good matchup for them. You know, talk about the pass rush a little bit. We talked about it heading into the week. Like, all right, this team's given up 16 sacks. Washington State needs to pressure the quarterback. And they do just that. Uh, seven sacks and probably could have been more. There was a lot of rotation and it seemed like there were so, a couple times where they maybe dropped back a little bit. But they just got after Millen in the backfield. And then, and then on the flip side, they tried to run the ball and, could not do it. Washington State just isn't yielding on the ground. Right, man. And that's really was really impressive, right? You got the Cougs out there, and when they can come in and they could hold a team to, I believe it was like under 40 yards, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. You could set any team down and keep them at that number. That's going to be a beautiful day for the, uh, for the defense. That's what the defense want to come out and do. You want to make a team – um kind of play with one arm. You want to make them pretty much one-dimensional. So the key for me is, are we going to be able to do this and be consistent um, against those better teams, against those running teams, or against any team that's not um, caliber of uh, Colorado State? And it really comes down to the consistency. I think I'm going to be saying that a lot today because they showed well and they showed a great flash right and I know the offense can put up these numbers I know the defense can get after the quarterback and they can get big stops on third down and all the stuff they did in that game but can we be consistent I guess we'll see right 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 um and I think you know the the consistency is, is the big point and that was you know there was complaints about how the offense looked in the second half they didn't block particularly well mm -hmm. there was a turnover 
Um, and, and I think what it was to me from, from my vantage point was it, they went back to being a little bit vanilla. And I think the entire game plan as a whole was fairly simple. Get the yeah. ball in the hands of your playmakers. These guys can't match up with you. Now, I think Colorado State did a good job adjusting. But I think at that point in the second half, Wazoo said, look, we're up by this much. Why throw a bunch of adjustments and reveal a bunch of the playbook? Let's just stick to this. We're not in any risk of losing this game. Now, I think if Colorado State had made it close, we might have seen the offense open things back up a little bit. But they did go fairly vanilla um, in terms of what they did. The one complaint I had is it did seem that when they weren't going vanilla, there was a lot of deep drops. And I, and I don't think that was the best strategy because Colorado State was getting pressure. I yeah. think what should have been those little out routes, the, the quick outs, the timing routes, that's what was working. And then running the ball was, was having some success. So um, I, I do think that there were some complaints to be had about the second half, but I think if you're complaining about a second half in which in a game you won 38-7, <laughs> things are probably going okay. I and mean, that's a little I different agree. than complaining like, oh my goodness, we just lost I would agree. 37 nothing. So I, I think um, at that point, everyone's going to complain. Everyone, and I'm not saying there wasn't, you know, fuel to complain in that second half, but it's, it's, uh, it's good if that's what you're complaining about. It's like, you know, it's, if you're complaining about what you did wrong in a 30 point win, you're probably doing okay at the moment. Right. Uh, right. You know, the big question I think is, can the offense do this again against the non power five team or, or against the power right. five team, excuse me, was this because it was Colorado state or was this a situation where the offense finally hit its stride and we're going to see that again against Oregon this week? I would hope, man, that it's more of the offense hitting the stride, man, to be in these type of positions, to be on schedule. I call it staying on schedule, right? Okay, um, first downs, we're getting positive yardage, man. That second down, we're getting positive yardage. Then we're getting into those third and shorts. And we're able to be in those situations and kind of open up the playbook, right? And, man, and kind of be able to take some shots and do some different stuff instead of being – behind on um, those down and distances and getting in the third and long and being forced to do those deep drops exactly like you talked about that's not really a good look for us all the time I know you got Cam running around um, back there and he can make some special stuff happen but we don't want that to be our bread and butter right to him just kind of scrambling around and kind of just chucking the ball up so we want to be able to make a make um, this be our thing right to come out early put the pressure on the defense with the tempo and man, and just uh, coming out here and running these plays. And I really like the running game. Exactly. Like you said, I know we're a air raid team, but to be a guy on defense, speaking from experience where you really don't know where the ball's going to go. You don't know where the attack is going to come from and it keeps you on your heels and it makes defenses tired. You got to call timeouts. Um, everybody's kind of scrambling. It's got to be all talked to calls and different, checks and stuff made at the line of scrimmage so you can get a defense on his heel. So hopefully that's the energy we can bring to Oregon. Here's a question to pose before we move on to Oregon. Does Washington state have the best defense in the PAC 12 right now? I think we can be close, man. I think we can be close and I think we are getting close there, but again, can we be consistent? Can we have this type of production every week? Um, I go back to my man, Henley. He's always around the ball. I love the guy on defense, man. Uh, um, guy that's going to do everything 100 miles an hour, even if he makes a mistake, right? I know there was a play um, that the running back that came out into the flat, and I think that he was a little late, but he hustled his tail off, man, and got over there and made the tackle anyway. So 
the defense can go as far as they want to go or as far as the execution is going to let them. If they stay focused, especially on those um, gap schemes and all that different kind of stuff that's going on in the D-line, and the D-line is getting a hell of a rush. I always shout out the big boys because they make our job on the back end so much easier. I'll say it again, the best coverage is a sack. So to answer your question, uh, to answer your question, Jamie, this defense can be one of the best in the uh, pack. Yeah. And just to, to quickly add to that before we move on, I'll just point out uh, Washington State, the best uh, scoring defense in the pack, 12 just 12 points a game, fourth in yards per game. And I know you'll, you'll like this one, Mark, because Pro Football Focus, which does great work with analytics and deep dives, has Washington State as the fifth highest graded coverage team in the country behind just Ole Miss, Michigan, Iowa, and Georgia. That's some pretty good company, a 91.0 grade uh, in coverage. Hey, but that's damn good. Are you playing good football? And let's give a shout out to the coaches, man, because anytime the defense is playing well, they have to be coached well. So big shout out to the coaches. Moving on to the third segment, Washington State with, you could debate their biggest game of the year. It's this versus Wisconsin, it's all kind of in the same category of big games. Oregon Ducks, number 15 in the country, coming back to Pullman. Uh, last time they were in Pullman uh, was a win in the COVID year. That doesn't count because nothing about that season counts. So the last time they were truly in Pullman with fans, college game day 2018, they lost that game. Uh, but the Ducks got absolutely steamrolled by Georgia. They came back to crush Eastern Washington and blow out BYU. And I think through three games, we can probably say anything that happened against Georgia is because it was Georgia, not because it was Oregon. Very true. I would agree with that 100%, man. Uh Georgia just got squad, man, and that's how it's going to work. If you're going to beat Georgia, you got to be on your game 100%. And that's anybody. I don't care who it is, right? It could be um, the, the um, I guess, the Seahawks team that won the Super Bowl, right? They would have to be on point, too, and that's just how it works, of course, when you're playing Georgia. So, uh, yeah, man, and um, – so are we diving into the Ducks or not quite yet, man? We're diving in. Jump the game, but no, yeah. no, we're diving into okay. the Ducks. Um, so first thing, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say this, man. I think this game is a very important game, but it's going to be a test, right? And I know we've been talking about the defense. So can we slow down Mr. Nix? I'm talking about Bo Nix, the quarterback over there that can run around and is very spectacular and can make some spectacular throws. And um, it, it can put a lot of pressure on the defense. So, so if the Cougs can come out and do a portion of what they did to Cody Millen, I think this team is going to have a very good chance, man. Like keeping that offense off the field. And I know the Oregon Ducks, they have a hell of a defense as well. But keeping that offense off the field and keeping them uncomfortable is going to be one of the um, not most important, but a very important piece of this game. Well, the big thing that has led to the Ducks' success is offensive line. They have not given up a sack this year in three games. Mm. That includes playing Georgia. They're the highest-graded offensive line in pass blocking on pro football focus. Uh, a, a line of Alex Forsyth, Marcus Harper, Male Sala, Amave Laulu. I hope I got that right, uh, TJ Bass, and then Ryan Walk will be back now for this game. I think he missed the last game, um, or he missed the second game and was back for this one. Either way. This line is absolutely stacked. This plays a bit into Washington State's strength, though, if you're Oregon. 
the Cougs have relied on the pass rush. 14 sacks this year, tied for most in the Pac-12, one of the best in the nation. How does that kind of, you know, the immovable, the irresistible force, the immovable object, the great Oregon line against the great Wazoo pass rush? Right. I think it has to be by committee, right? I think those guys on the back end are going to have to return the favor. Um, the corners are going to have to cover. The safeties are going to have to be in the right spot, man, and make the uh, pretty much make the quarterback come off his first and second read. Um, and when I say I talk about the favor has to be returned, there has to be some covered sacks, man. I know that it's hard to be Deion Sanders out there. It's hard to lock down the whole field, but just give the big boy some time. I don't know if that's going to be a reroute or if that's going to be, um, as you're going to be showing a little bit, man, and kind of disguise and try to confuse the, um, I try to confuse the quarterback a little bit or make the wide receivers kind of run some wrong routes and do some different checks and stuff like that. But give the big boy some time. They work up there. Them guys got all type of motor. They got all type of energy. And, um, yeah, man, it's got to be a favor for a favor on this one. The, um, the skinny guy's got to show it for the big boy. So, hey, babe, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, on the flip side of things, Oregon's past defense has been a little spotty. It, it hasn't been great. I mean, this is a team who has produced defensive backs pretty regularly now for a while. And they do have talent still, but they're young. Outside of Christian Gonzalez, a Colorado transfer, they don't have a ton of veterans on the back end. It would seem there's an opportunity here for Cam Ward to kind of click again with the receivers and stretch the field vertically. The other big thing with Oregon, they are the worst third down defense team in the country. Almost 57%, I believe, that they let other teams convert on third down. So there are two opportunities here, and the Cougs are fairly good on third down, I think 30th in the country. There's an opportunity here to kind of take advantage of a couple weaknesses in the Oregon secondary because you know they've got a good defensive line and they certainly have good linebackers. Yeah, man, um, especially especially when it comes to that coverage, you got to add in the tackling aspect, right? Because those DBs, they're going to hear about it all week. They've already been hearing about it of their – they've been hearing about their numbers, man, and where they're ranked. So they're probably going to be – overcompensating right and that's when you start to get out of your character and you start to miss tackles and you do a bunch of stuff that you don't normally do so a bunch of those quick screens and those bubble screens and the slants and all that kind of stuff they might be trying to jump some stuff get really aggressive so we might see some double moves or i hope we see some double moves but just try to exploit that advantage man and just really go to work man and put our foot on their neck and don't let up and I know it's not going to be a letdown week because all the hype and everything is going to be surrounded by this game. But with success, sometimes um, some of that stuff can creep in. And I know with Cam Ward, I didn't see any of that in the last game. I really like what I see. So I hope the offense can keep rolling, man. I'm looking forward to it. What's the what's the biggest key to winning this game for Washington State? Oh, uh, man, I think um, I think they got to make the most of every opportunity. Um, and especially for the offense, they're getting down there in the red zone and you got to come away with points, man. I, I hope we don't get into a shootout. Um, I hope our defense is going to step up, but all points down in the red zone, we got to get points. We got to get field goals. And then on the flip side of it, it just got to be able to get off on third down, man. And don't let them, don't let the Oregon offense milk the clock. I got a feeling our boys are going to stop the run game so we don't really have to about um, to worry about 
of them just pushing us off the ball, man, and running up the gut. So uh, go back to making the most of opportunities, score when you can, stay on pace, man, and take what the defense is going to give you. What's the final score? Oh, man. Um, I don't like too high of a score, man. I think this is going to be a good one, man. I, I know um, – 16-ish, 17-ish, um, I say that. It, it, it kind of reminds me of a Seahawk team that's kind of trying to figure itself out, right? And I'm talking about the Cougs, right? I know we got this offense, the defense has been playing well, but can we find ourselves, can we be consistent and really show people exactly who we are? And that's a pass-happy team that can run the ball well, and we play defense. So, can we be that on a regular basis? What's the final? <laughs> I said the final. What did I say? Uh, um, I said 16 to 17, right? Oh, okay. I thought yeah, you yeah, meant yeah, that. Yeah. I thought you meant Washington State's going to be your okay. So 17, yeah, yeah. 16 Cougs? Close game. Yeah. Cougs. Yes. Well, Absolutely. Cougs, man. I, I learned my lesson picking against the Cougs before the Wisconsin yeah. game. So I went, Don't I went do 21, it. 21 20 Washington State, I think, this week. All right. Okay. Uh, let's take, let's go back a little bit. Uh, 2002, you play a game against, ironically, the number 15 rated Ducks while you're with the Cougars. This one was in Martin Stadium. It was on a November afternoon. Cougs win 32-21. What do you remember about that game? Crazy game, man. Hell of a game. Um, it was one of those feelings again, Oregon – they had a nice offense. They were putting up huge numbers. They had Ontario Smith as their running back. Um, as some of us that know him off the field, they call him old smithereens. And that guy was a guy. I believe that he was a little banged up for that game. So we kind of teed off on him a little bit. I think he might have had what they say is a little turf toe or something going. But the defense came to play. Um, at the time, I was doing some punt returning, so I thought I was uh, – uh, I thought I was kind of like this slash type player. I would get my offensive fix, man. I would get those punt returns. But, yeah, just an overall pretty much a dogfight. Our offense back then was more of a, a take long shots, man. We had a couple tall receivers, and we were just throwing the ball up. And that's when Jason Gesser was running the show, man, and was just out there just slinging that thing. Um, Mike Bush, 6'5" um small forward but was playing football for us uh devar darling you had jermaine green um and guys just was out there making it happen man and an oregon game is always going to be a dog fight especially down in oregon the fans is can be not very nice which is good though that <laughs> makes a hostile environment and that makes it even sweeter when you win right and you know they uh, of course are going to talk crap it's going to be loud it's going to be crazy everything's going to be beautiful because you know the facilities is off the chain and it kind of gives you that pro style um or that a professional a type of atmosphere man and um you just got to be able to weather the storm and you get out of there and you come home and celebrate Moving on now to uh, the fifth segment of the show, the Pac-12 storylines. And unfortunately, we have to acknowledge the fact that Washington did blow out Michigan. I, I blow, They blew them out. I know what the score may have said. That was a blowout. They right. blew out Michigan State and were ranked number 18 in the country while the Cougs still did not get ranked. USC rolled again. Oregon blew out BYU. 
Arizona State, though, that's probably the storyline of the week. They lose to Eastern Michigan, and on the field, they fire Herm Edwards. I mean, ever seen anything like that? Never seen anything like it. And you would think that the respect that Mr. Edwards has around football in general, that something like that wouldn't happen. I don't know if it's just been boiling over or was this just too much to stomach, but Herm Edwards, he has a great name around the league. I've played with guys that have played with him and they said that he's a player's coach and he loves his players and everybody loves them. So to do something like this, I get the business side of it, but I think it's still kind of scandalous, man. You give them the, they kind of give them that pat on the back and you give them the attaboy and then you guys part ways and that's on the field. Everybody's watching. It's the age of Twitter and IG. So they probably going to be putting the Jordan face on them and memes and all types of stuff. I think it's a bad look, but Herm, I know he'll land on his feet. He'll be all right. Is UW for real or was this maybe an overrated Michigan State team? What do you think? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I like UW. I like their quarterback. Um, he's over there making things look easy, and he has given them some um, life. And I do root for the Huskies just because of the Washington connection. My younger brother went there. I like what they're doing over there. I think they can put it together. I give you a pass because Desmond went there. That's the only reason you're getting a pass Thank for you. that. Yeah, I give you a pass. Now, there's no other All reason. Right. But family, I, I give you a pass yeah. on the family thing. Uh, but no, I mean, I I didn't get a chance to watch most of the game. It, it kind of co- rolled over with the coup game. But you can't deny what their offense is doing. And they're mm-hmm. putting up results. And, you know, we'll see. And the schedule soft. No Utah, no USC. Um, so they have an opportunity to, to have a good year. And, you know, and hopefully that maybe that good year ends uh, with a loss in the Apple Cup this year. I think that's the hope for all for all Coug. Actually, the, the hope for all Cougs is they lose the rest of their games, but the realistic hope for all Cougs would be uh, that Apple Cup loss. Uh, we'll transition now into the sixth segment and kind of start to wrap things up. Talking a little about the NFL Cougs. Uh, Frankie Louvu, whose jersey is behind me. I know we're on recording and no one can see that, but his jersey's behind me. He had 10 tackles, four tackles for loss. River Craycraft had a touchdown, his first career TD. And Jalen Watson, a 99-yard pick six in his first career start. Talk about the, the art of the pick six, Marcus. How many did you have, if you had any? And what goes through your mind when you have a pick six? I got a couple of pick sixes in my back pocket, man. I made it happen. The thing with me is, is that you're not used to running that far, that fast for that long, right? On defense, it's short spurts, man, and you get to come back to the huddle and you kind of do your thing. Like, to make those – catches and sprint all the way down like that. I thought I was going to have to get some oxygen or, if, or um, I thought I was going to have to come out the game. And in some situations, uh, you're playing on that kickoff team, man. But those are special moments. You cherish those of uh, a defensive back. You're changing the field position. You're, her- you're helping your team. You're putting points on the board. You are the hero, especially at the end of the game like that. And then a young man uh, – making this thing or a, a young man doing this thing, making the most of opportunity. Cause that's what it's really about, man. You get those opportunities. You, you prove to your coaches and to your teammates that you could be trusted and you're there uh, to ball. So a big shout out to Jalen and keep doing your thing, young man. First start Thursday night football. Mm, that's, that, that's, that's, big. that's something else. That's big. Before we wrap up, just want to give a quick shout out to some of the other, uh, some of the other Coop teams are out there putting in work. 
Uh, Wazoo soccer has rattled off six consecutive wins. Wazoo volleyball was eight and one, had a tough weekend with a couple top 25 teams in Minnesota and Pepperdine. Um, but yeah, they start Pac-12 play this week and just got to give a shout out. You know, it's not all about football here at Washington State. There's other teams. And when we get into basketball season, we'll talk some hoops, too. Yeah. Kind of it's all about the Coog family, right? It's all about the Coog family. Exactly. We're all it's, yeah. it's all one. It's all one school. It's not just it's not we're not Washington State Football University. We're Washington State University. Exactly. <laughs> but anyways, thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant brought to you by the Believe Network. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on Instagram. That's T-R-U and then to the Cougs. And look, keep your eye out. A Twitter page is probably heading your way as well to help promote the show. Just keep an eye out for that in the next few days. And as always, we'll sign off with the Go Cougs. Go Cougs, baby. Let's get it. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.